0: So, good morning, everyone. For those who don't know, I'm Sue um, from the Hope Foundation, and basically the book stops with me, Um, so I won't talk any more about that. I'd like to start with our reading, which is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, as we're currently working through Matthew's Gospel, and I've asked Deborah, who's one of our volunteers, to read it from two different translations, so she wasn't very happy about that, but (laughs) she... Which she's getting to <laughs> so She's doing it in seat. That's
1: bad enough in English. So, so it says Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16, from the New International Version. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill, cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And this is Matthew again from the Message Bible. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the god flavors of this earth if you lose your saltiness how will people taste godliness if you've sorry you've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage here's another way to put it you're here to be light bringing out the god colors in the world god is not a secret to be kept we're going public with this as public as a city on a hill if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand, now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Thank you,
0: I don't force everyone to do everything, you know. Um, (laughs) I'll come back to these readings shortly, but I hope by now you've got a flavour of what we do at Hope. Um, Just to any misconceptions, we do deal with people from 19 plus. It's not just older people. Um, So we do deal with um, people right across, but most of the younger people, if you like, are looking for work and things and the teaching and learning which I think is something everyone assumes with Hope, so we were trying to give you a flavour of the other bits. Um, So thank you to all the staff and volunteers who've come. Thank you for the trustees who've spoken as well. And um, as Laura said, they'll be available at the end with Hope Cakes, baked by Jeanette and Laura, just to say the Hope logo is edible, and it won't poison you, um, because we've tried it out on the kids. (laughs) So... I thought it'd be useful to have a little bit of background of how we got to where we are now. As John said, it's a long time. So the Hope Foundation started from a local Anglican church we belong to, St. George's in Teesville. And initially, men were coming out of prison who had no hope for the future. What did they need? They needed someone to care and get alongside them. They needed skills and different kinds of support to help them change their circumstances and get on with their lives. What they needed was hope and a purpose. And in December 1994, (laughs) how many of you weren't alive in December 1994? (laughs) Don't tell me because it depresses me. Hope became a legal organization to help make that happen. An important scripture for me and others we work with is Jeremiah 29 verse 11, which is on uh, uh, on the wall at Hope. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. Our aim at Hope is to reduce disadvantage, loneliness and isolation and help people recognize their potential because they matter. God has made this promise for everyone. He has a perfect plan for everyone's life, no matter who you are, however much you or others have messed that life up. And even if you feel you don't need it, God has a plan for you. Many people do not know, or recognise that, or even care. So, who's going to tell them? We are. Initially, when we started, we were all volunteers, but with God's blessing on what we were doing, things started to grow. We realised that lots of people were coming to us who were struggling with lots of things. Drug and alcohol issues, long-term unemployment, those with mental health issues, um, ethnic minorities struggling to get into work, Asylum seekers and refugees who were lonely and isolated or had no qualifications. And also those with no education. And many were lost. The demand and need out there is huge. We did not choose to specialise with one discrete group, even though we started with ex-offenders. As we felt that we needed to be a community, a family, and anyone who wants to come is welcome. God has been in it throughout, and there are many wonderful stories of his provision. When we had no money, no wages, even no premises, we've done all of them. God does things in his own time and not ours, something I've often learned the hard way. I don't have time to tell you them all, because 27 years is quite a lot, but there are many examples of this. For example, our first grant success for £5,000 was when the funder visited and a large group of us were painted in the pool room, would you believe? I now recognize the application was rubbish, but we were funded because of what we said and what we saw, what he saw. The provision of temporary premises, which ended up being for three years, many miracles and blessings across the way. Throughout the many highs and lows, we were encouraged by the people of God through the prophetic and speaking God's promises over us. There were many times we would have given up and there's been lots of tears, lots of high points, but God has continued to speak and provide and uphold us in the darkest times as well as in the mountaintop experiences. God knows how to balance it out. Our staff team grew and in 2000, 2001, we were able to raise over £400,000 to buy a building, again with divine help. Um, The building, the seller in the end, waited for us to raise the money as they wanted us to have it, that can only be God. Because every time I raised the money, the building had gone. So in the end, I said, look, just keep it, and I promise we'll raise it. And he did. Um, But uh, this is God, isn't it? At the time after we'd just got the keys, we'd moved in, services were starting, it was all going brilliant. I was diagnosed with a giant cell tumor, which thankfully was benign, but I was in plaster and couldn't work. Well, officially, I couldn't work for nine months. As Gavin talked about a few weeks ago, there are many different forms of temptation. And also, there are many ways we can be thrown off track. God has his own ways of helping us focus and recognizing our need of him. He blesses us in the good and the bad. Times when we need to grow and be challenged to get us ready for the next stage and what God has for us. I have many, many examples from the last 27 years. Often difficult, but usually for my own, and also often for others' good in hindsight. We had a prayer group that regularly met in the building, especially before we moved in, with prophetic people speaking words over and into what we were doing. One of the words was that the building was a key premises at the entrance of Middlesbrough, a gateway to the town and to the people there. It was to be a lighthouse drawing people in and into the light out of their darkness. If you've seen the building, you will know it's very light brick and easy to see as a lighthouse. A very apt picture for what's happened over the years, but also very relevant to our reading today of us being salt and light, which whoever gave me this didn't know. Another picture was of Jesus, except God did. Another picture was of Jesus' precious blood flowing down the walls. Bringing cleansing, a place of peace and of love for those who were lost and needed a safe place. Many people over the years have commented on how, when they come in, there's just a nice feeling. They can't put the finger on it, but it just feels right. Even Ofsted, when they came, gave us an outstanding for equality and diversity, saying they, they couldn't say what it was we did. They couldn't say what the process is that were causing it. It was just the culture. Everyone's experience was so inclusive and non-judgmental. It was just a way of being, is what she said. That was so encouraging. I'm not going to talk about what we do and how we achieve what we do, as you've listened to the staff, and there will also be the stands at the end. Hopefully, you will also see the results of what we do through the stories of the people, which we've got many as well. But let's go back to the lighthouse at the centre of the town. God always knows where he was doing, and I was so pleased to be given this scripture. In the Message Bible it says, you are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept, we go in public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket to you, I'm going to put you on a lamp, light stand. Now that I've put you there, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. I love this simple idea of Jesus as being the light of the world and we are to be his light bearers in the world, taking light into those situations. We're not just called, though, to bring light into people's darkness, sadness and difficulties, to show up the things that are wrong, but we're to bring colour into people's life, helping them recognize their lives have meaning and a purpose. Have you any idea of how many colors there are? How beautiful they are? God created them all, just as he created all of us and everyone out there. Our job is to bring out those God colors in those around us. What does that look like for you? Think about it. He's not putting you under a bucket, but he's lifting you up to be seen. God has put you on a lampstand or a hilltop where you should be so that your light can be seen. He knows where you need to be to shine your light the most effectively to those around you. It's not some great commission, you know, but your normal life. And that's why I love this message translation. It says, keep open house and be generous with your lives. No one's ruled out of that. You don't need money or possessions to be generous with your life. Just be available and open. And it's through this people will be drawn to God, it says. Being generous with your life, though, takes time, takes energy, and it takes effort. And as a generous group of people, we can achieve so much more than we can as individuals. And with God, we achieve more again. I'm so grateful for the team we have at Hope and the people God has placed around me. They are all open to the needs of others and have a real heart for people and care. This is reflected in that people say they have somewhere to belong and feel welcome. Being open to others helps them be open to God and all he does and is. Even if they don't know him yet, seeds are being sown. But in this reading, we are to be more than light. We are also to be salt. i turned over too many pages. John and I have a thing about salt. He'll often put it on things like veg when he cooks it, and then I taste it, and I go, look, I can't take it out once it's in there. And that's the point with salt. You can't undo it, can you? Once it's there, it's there. I can add it after, but I don't need it in there. And children don't need salt. But, so tell him. <laughs> so we often think of salt as a preservative or a flavoring as a preservative to stop things going bad, because there were no fridges in them days, and to flavour things to stop them being bland. Back to God colours, there's also such a thing as God flavours. Am I like that? Do people know I've been added to that conversation or that situation, and that I am bringing a good flavour to it and stopping the rot? Do you know that if you rub salt into a wound, although it will initially sting, it will eventually heal faster? The salt helps create an antibacterial environment to help the wound heal. Maybe you need to have that salt function. Maybe you need to say the hard things to help people. Maybe it will sting, but it will also help stop the rot and help the healing. But it's more than that. And I, I brought in Luke um, when he talks about salt. And he says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's neither fit for the soil nor the manure pile. It's thrown out. If things get mixed in with salt, it's no use, and it can actually be dangerous. So we need to be careful what we expose ourselves to and what we pick up on the way, because it affects how effective we are. Here Luke mentions soil and a manure pile. Why is that? This is how I see our role as Salt at Hope. Salt in small quantities can be used on the land, on the soil, as a fertiliser. Just as we encourage the good, bringing it out in people and helping them grow and flourish, for example, through education and positive opportunities, such as work and volunteering. Salt in larger quantities was used on the manure pile, the dung heap, if you like. The salt here is to disinfect it, to prevent disease or infection. In this, salt is for tackling the bad things. All around us, we see the effects of these bad things. Addiction, discrimination, social injustice, corruption, poverty, issues with climate change, to name a few. I'm sure you can think of many more. Christians are called to make a contribution to disinfect and affect the bad, while promoting and encouraging the good. This is the salt Jesus calls us to be in this passage. The thing is with God's word, the Bible is it helps us to look at ourselves and our lives as God speaks to us. This morning is to raise awareness of what we do at the Hope Foundation and I hope you've had a glimpse of that. But this passage is about how we shine for God in the dark places, how we disinfect the bad and encourage the good. Everyone who knows me know I blow it. I often get it wrong. I'm often judged, I'm often misunderstood, and I often just get it wrong. But God knows our hearts, and he understands our motives in a way no one else does. But I can also say I'm sorry for the mistakes I make and start again every day. God puts light inside all of us to shine for him. Perhaps you haven't met him yet. Jesus, who came as the light of the world to die for you. Maybe you would like to know more. Please ask someone. But for those who already know Jesus here this morning, it's not about the glamorous things, some great commission or calling. It's about the day to day, who you are, where you are. We are called to take the joy news of Jesus to everyone, everywhere. What's your area of influence, then it's there you are to shine, being a light in the darkness, bringing out the good God colours in people, fertilising the good and helping it grow and disinfecting the bad for Jesus. Is that because people will then say, by, what great job you're doing? It's not, because the Bible says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your your Father in heaven. And as the message says, keep open house, be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. All we do points to God and not to ourselves. Our strapline at Hope Foundation is Foundations for Life. What's your life built on and how are you living it? So as I finish, we're going to play a video which was made of Sean's story. Sean um, came to Hope Foundation about four years ago now. Um, And this will give you an idea of how being with people and believing in them (coughs) helps them change their lives and helps them find Jesus for themselves. Thank you.